Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Just about 12 minutes after 6, and this next story amused me to no end, both because I've been that news anchor who can't stop laughing on TV, and there's nothing you can do about it, Mike. You know when you get a laughing fit, or it, maybe you've laughed in church or in school or somewhere where you're not supposed to, and then like you can't. When the true laughter hits you, there's just there's nothing you can do. <laughs> right. It totally took over this person. So this is a moment posted to YouTube by an outfit called The Independent. Trent's Crim, The Independent. No, not, not that independent. Thank you, Trent. My... Uh, you saw the video, Mike. Yes. Right. So, for those just listening, obviously this morning, we'll walk you through it. Uh, video filters. Ah, uh, studio. So what we've got here is a split screen. It's a news anchor on set waiting to interview this old dude, white hair in a suit and tie, like real formal mm-hmm. kind of guy. I don't know what they were even supposed to be talking about, but he's obviously like a formal interview. Okay. And he's fumbling around with his computer, and she can't stop laughing because it was like a virtual interview, right? He's so he's yeah, trying the to Zoom or the Teams yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. General, she's a virtual background. Okay, you can hear him kind of like messing with the settings. You've done that, right? You're yes. your thing. Uh, let me see. You're on mute. You're on mute. I can't hear you. Oh, okay. Let it's me like see. the uh, silent. It's the here, it's the verbal confirmation yes. to other people on the meeting that like, hey, I am trying to work through this issue right now. You <laughs> can hear exactly me walking it through it. Yes. And what kept happening is he's ending up with a virtual party hat on his head. <laughs> Like the kind, like at a little kid's birthday party. It's the little, like, triangle. And it's so small. It's right on his head, and it's really tiny. And so here's this old dude in a shirt and tie and a suit, and he's got this little hat, and this news anchor just can not. So I'm going to log out and come straight back in. Hold okay. on. Okay. Cool. All right. Awesome. <laughs> she breaks now. <laughs> It's the guy, and he's got this little hat. He's like, all right, I'm going to log out, and I'm going to restart. Yeah, good, good yeah, that's idea. That's a good idea. You know, I used to say all the time, you know, I anchored the news for so many years with my good friend Susan Kim, and sometimes what happens is something's not even that funny, but it hits her right, and she starts laughing, and then what was funny to me is not so much the incident or whatever, it's that she found it funny. Yeah. And then it was lights out. Forget it. Yeah. It, well, it's that, and then it's it's then you think about... I'm laughing on the air. I can't right, stop. I and stop. then it's just like you're in your head. It's like compounding and compounding. And you're just laughing for a full straight minute. And you end up uh, like on a John Oliver show or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> News is sponsored by Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. Retire well with Kowal. It's WTMJ's Vince Vetrano here. And I played sports my entire <laughs> You know what I mean? What's wrong? Man. He's killing me, Eric. <laughs> Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The NFL offseason is upon us. The owners meeting in down in Arizona. And Packers head coach Matt LaFleur met with the media on Tuesday not totally wanting to discuss an Aaron Rodgers potential trade, but did want to temper any expectations fans might have around Jordan Love. You know, it is what it is, and at the same time, we're excited about Jordan and how, how he's been able to progress. We all have to kind of temper our expectations 
Um, it's going to be a process. He's come a long way, quite frankly, fooling ourselves if we think he's going to go out there and perform at a level of to the likes of what Aaron Rodgers. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers and a potential trade, Jets general manager Joe Douglas also met with the media and confirmed they are in a good place currently, but they're in no rush to trading for the four-time MVP. Yeah, I would say uh, there's no hard deadline, and um, you know, there's not uh, a ton of urgency um, from our our standpoint right now. But um, you know, still uh, still very optimistic. Is it your impression that it's going to get done? It's just a matter of when. I mean, we, we're going to have to let this process play out. Um, and so, obviously, we're not exactly where we need to be at this time, but you know, we're going to let this process play out, and, and uh, ultimately, we do feel good about where we're at. The NFL draft is the next big date on the off-season schedule for the NFL, which begins on April 27th. And over to baseball, just like that, spring training is all complete for the Milwaukee Brewers as they win their finale 8-1 to one over the Colorado Rockies. Freddie Peralta did get the start, going four and two-third innings, allowing no runs and striking out five. Both Luke Voigt and Jesse Winker homered for the crew in that game. And now they look ahead to the regular season opener in Chicago on Thursday. Speaking of Thursday, Corbin Burns is slated to start that game against the Cubs and was asked if he was looking forward to to getting started on a new season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, know, you might want to go out there and set the tone for the year, and um, you know, for for the rest of the guys, are going to be falling up in the rotation. So um, it's definitely exciting, definitely an honor. Um, you know, love love going out there and, and trying to trying to go as deep as I can in games and and set the tone for these guys. So um, that's the the plan for opening day. First pitch for the Brewers and Cubs is Thursday, beginning at one twenty. And finally, over to college hoops where Wisconsin men's basketball saw their season come to an abrupt end in the NIT semifinals against North Texas, losing 56-54. Wisconsin went into the break up 11, but went scoreless over the last nine minutes and seven seconds of the second half with a couple of late-missed free throws by Tyler Wall, which allowed North Texas to walk out with the win after the game. Head coach Greg Gard on the story of the game and really what was the season for his team. The game, I thought it was a tale of two halves. I thought we were really good offensively the first half. Second half, I thought they got up into us a little bit with some pressure. We turned the ball over early and gave them some momentum, and, and they got some confidence going. And then, obviously, a tale of two halves in terms of offensively. You know, shots not going in or us turning the ball over. Gave, like I said, gave them momentum, and they made made some plays and made some shots. So, But uh, this group has been through a lot this year, and as I told them, I'm really proud of how they've continued to battle and face adversity. we faced more than our share of it, and uh, this will help them not only as they go forward in their basketball careers, but what they who they are as people. Wisconsin will now look to answer some big questions heading into their offseason. This college basketball tournament update is brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Peggy and Waukesha just texted the Old National Bank talking text line 855-616-1620. I looked up the hat guy, and now I can't stop laughing. So I'm going to log out and come straight back in. Hold okay, on. cool. All right, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Your Milwaukee Brewers start a new season tomorrow afternoon at Wrigley Field in Chicago. The home opener coming to American Family Field on Monday, April 3rd. Opening pitch. Bullseye. We are underway. Party starts tonight already at the ballpark. Brewers Eve Bash begins at 4.30 at the newly rebranded restaurant, Jay Leinenkugel's Barrel Yard. Put away the snowplow and come on out. <laughs> How about it, you? Tom Hecht is Vice President of Consumer Experience Entertainment 
for the Milwaukee Brewers, and he's live with us this morning. Bullseye! Tom, fancy title there. Essentially, you're the guy who's supposed to make sure we're all having a good time at the ballpark, right? Absolutely. How you doing, Ben? <laughs> it's all-encompassing. Great to talk to you, Tom. So uh, let's talk about the party tonight first. 4.30, Brewers alumni in the house, and then a chance for fans to join them as well, maybe sample some food from the restaurant, just get excited about baseball's first pitch tomorrow. Yeah, we're really excited, Vince. Uh, obviously, with the, the start of the baseball season, we're also excited about the grand opening of Jake Lennon Kugel's Barrel Yard. So tonight is the first opportunity for our fans to come in and get a sneak peek at the new restaurant. Um, we'll have alumni players there, including Raleigh Fingers, is going to be making an appearance and signing autographs. So a chance to uh, sample some of the new beers, chance to sample the food, and uh, get excited for Brewers Baseball. So, Tom, let's talk about some of the other things that fans are going to see out of the ballpark outside of the restaurant. I mean, increasingly, your job is to, as fans kind of come and, you know, American Family Field is a place to be. You'll always have your diehard baseball fans, but more and more sort of casual fans are showing up and they want other stuff to do besides the game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and and that's really, you know, important to us, Vince. I mean, you know, we have, you know, fans, you know, 40,000 fans that will come to the ballpark. Some are diehard baseball fans and they want to, you know, do their scorebook and, and follow every pitch. Other fans are there for the social experience, and we really want to provide an opportunity for everybody. So uh, it's really important that we always try to enhance the game experience for our fans and, and provide an experience as good as Major League Baseball can offer. I know we've been talking about it for some time, so it's not new-new, but probably new to a lot of fans this season is the ex-golf facility that's upstairs. And I, I think fans need to know, like, don't first of all, don't bring your clubs to actual <laughs> actual game day, but you can go up there and you can use that facility, play a little bit of golf, watch some baseball, and just enjoy the amenities. It's really and, and, and for fans that haven't had a chance to go up there and, and take in the experience and seeing the views of the game while you know it to me it always still strikes me funny uh, in the off season when you see fans walking into the ballpark with golf clubs. I always awesome. do a double a double look, but yeah, you cannot bring your clubs on a game day. Uh, we have great golf clubs up there for people, and it's just a fun experience. Whether you want to come up there and golf, there's a couple of bars up in the space. So it's just a great hangout place. You know, with baseball now starting up, we start in Chicago, and, you know, I think about the restaurant and other things at the ballpark. That's another spot to go and enjoy away games. I've always liked that, and I, I mentioned to the guys here, one thing that I've loved about that restaurant space is you can when people come in from out of town, maybe there's a ball game, maybe there's not, but it's still a way to make the ballpark accessible to other people and to be able to show off the uh, you know, American Family Field. You, you, don't, you don't get a better view in Milwaukee than uh, when you're in that restaurant and looking out over our field and the green grass. Um, it, it's, just, it's a spectacular place and always reminds you you know, what a great ballpark American family feel it is. And again, the, the elevated food experience that people are going to experience at uh, the Barrel Yard this year is, is really outstanding. Our, our chefs uh, and culinary team have been working for months preparing that menu, and the food is just outstanding. And again, the beers from Jalen and Kugel's uh, is, is top-notch. The elevated food experience. Well said, Tom. That's why that's why you have the title you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Vin. Your new title on our show is going to be Good Times Ambassador, though, if you're comfortable with it. I, I love that title, Vince. That's that that encapsulizes what I try to do here at the ballpark. <laughs> you got it. Brewers Eve Bash. Tonight at the hot corner, Jay Line and Kugel's Barrel Yard, 430 start. Limited capacity, first come, first serve. Tom, thanks very much. Thank you, Vince. Bullseye!
641 on Wisconsin's Morning News. It's not great quality video, but it's pretty spectacular. There's video out now of the garbage truck that slammed into the Hop Streetcar in downtown Milwaukee. So your information on that was, I mean, clearly somebody was should not have been in the intersection at the time. Truck hit that thing hard. Yeah, truck ran a red light. Is that what it was? In, yeah, truck ran a red light and slammed into the front side of the hop. What was it, early yesterday? No, Monday morning. I think, I think it was Monday, Monday right? morning, about 6 a.m. We're lucky there was there was really no one aboard because it, it, it hit a lot harder than I originally thought it would have, but I guess to knock a train car that size off the rails and kind of slam into the side of the road, it was going to have to be pretty hard. So many jokes there about the no one aboard, but uh, we'll take a pass on that this morning. But, yeah, this truck was so – what had happened was the hop's just doing its thing, king, king, you know, coming yeah, down the street. Mm-hmm. And this truck – and it was one of those big, like, industrial-type garbage trucks that pick up – not your trash on the street. Not that those aren't big either, but this is the one that goes to, like, businesses and picks up the dumpster out back, mm-hmm. you know, with the big yeah, – We established the noise. <laughs> yep, yep. Empties it all out. So this thing was barreling down the street and boom, just slammed right into the hop. And the hop goes flying off the rails. Bigger question. Are you, have you gotten used to the hop being downtown? I, it, it's been a long time. It's been here forever. But when I find myself driving, I'm still like, I don't know if I'm overthinking it or whatever. When I get near the tracks, I'm always like on super high alert. I think you should be like, cause again, we, case in point, now this is a guy who ran a red. So I'm, I'm aware of red lights as well, though, too. <laughs> right, you should be aware. But, no, it can be a little bit confusing, and, you know, I, I think downtown drivers now are used to it, but for folks who might just be coming into downtown a couple, two, three times a year to go to a show or have a, eat at a nice restaurant, something like that, yeah, they might be a little bit weirded out about it. And nothing against it. I've, I've oh, used right. the hop a few times. I like it. I, I think it, you know, it's whatever it is. It's here now. I just wish it went more places. So, it, like, you're not going to go in and rip the thing out. Yeah, the quicker we can get it to more places, the better it will be. But I do stop and think, is it going to stop? Am I going to stop? Is there protocol for this? So I, yeah, yeah. It's I like being at the four-way stop where you got to make the eye contact. Is it you? Is it me? Yeah, although I don't know if the guy driving the hop can stop it. He can look at me in the eye and be like, oh, look, buddy, this is what's happening. Well, I'll tell you, they certainly can't turn because <laughs> it's on the rails. So Unless it's forced. <laughs> right, the hop's going where it's going. 644, Brandon Snide has sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Spring training is all complete for the Milwaukee Brewers. They win in their finale 8-1 over the Colorado Rockies. Freddie Peralta got the start going four and two-thirds innings, allowing no runs and striking out five. Both Luke Voigt and Jesse Winker homered for the crew as they now look ahead to their regular season opener in Chicago on Thursday. In college hoops, the Wisconsin Badgers saw their season come to an end after scoreless over the last nine minutes of the NIT semifinals against North Texas and lose 56-54. to Chucky Hepburn did lead the Badgers in scoring with 15 points. And over to the NBA where the Bucs are nursing a two-and-a-half game lead over the Boston Celtics for the number one seat in the Eastern Conference, and they are back in action tonight visiting Indiana. Tip-off is set for 6 p.m. You can catch full coverage right here on WTMJ, beginning at 5.30. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The NFL offseason is here, and the owners are currently meeting down in Arizona, conducting voting on potential league changes, a whole bunch of other stuff, heading into 2023. One of those changes and agreements was to modify an existing Thursday night football rule, which was 
changed to allow teams to now play a maximum of two games per season, giving only a 15-day notification to fans and teams that they are flexing to Thursday night, whether they be on Sunday or Monday. We all know the NFL is king, right? And whatever they say, it probably won't affect fans too much. But the question here must be asked, why are we doing this? Does the NFL care about player safety? I think I think we can all answer that honestly. No, they do not. Nonetheless, Commissioner Roger Goodell claims he does. The league is constantly out to remind us all the time about changing in-game rules and how they are looking for ways to improve it for the safety of each player. And let's be real here. How many Thursday night games do you go home and say, I must watch this game tonight? I'm good with seeing bottom-tier teams struggle to score on short rest and walking out usually with more injuries than they would if they played on a Sunday or Monday. Here's the bottom line, though. The fact that we even have to entertain the thought let alone approve two Thursday night games, and only having to give a two-week notice is absolutely insane to me. What does that do for the safety of the player who plays the world's most violent game on the field, play a game and and turn around and and only have three days of rest twice a season? As fans, as as a customer, how would you feel buying tickets, setting travel dates, maybe some hotel reservations, maybe a rental car in there, only to find out two weeks before it's all changed, and now you're out probably, at today's world, $1,000 of your hard-earned dollars. Playing one game on short rest, now you make it two, that is without question ridiculous, and shame on you, NFL, for that. In my opinion, football being played on Thursday night, not once now, sometimes it's going to be twice, is about one thing and one thing only, money and not about player safety or the fan experience. City of Nashville tonight is planning a vigil for the six victims of the school shooting, including three children, all nine years old. This says authorities are out with a timeline of events, still investigating a motive. They have been quick to release information, even video of the tragedy as it unfolded. ABC's Lindsay Watts. Police say surveillance video shows the shooter, former student Audrey Hale, firing through the doors, moving through the halls. They say Hale, who identified as transgender, was under a doctor's care, being treated for an emotional disorder which had not been reported to authorities. One of Hale's former basketball teammates shared messages she says Hale sent her on the morning of the shooting. The message just reads, I'm planning to die today. Police say Hale legally purchased seven guns, using three of them in the attack. We're seeing in this case a lot of things we don't typically see in school shootings. As I bring in our teammate from 1017 The Truth, Dr. Ken Harris, former Milwaukee police lieutenant. Dr. Ken, a lot of things stand out to me about this that are atypical. First, the speed with which authorities are releasing information, even video. We saw body camera video. Their response to the incident, they charged in, engaged with the shooter. The shooter, their self, transgender woman, doesn't fit the usual mold that we see in active shooter situations or mass shooting situations. The fact that the shooter... In this case, blasted their way into the school, shooting through locked doors. I mean, where do you want to start? I really don't know where to start because the police did exactly what they were supposed to do. If you think about 74 minutes in Texas, in Nashville, four minutes. It's hard to say this, but speaking from a totally disconnected law enforcement trained brain, that's the way it's supposed to happen. Uh, they they stepped over people who were shot. 
They moved past people to stop the shooter because if they stopped, then they themselves could get shot and killed and more people could kill could could be killed. In Texas, 21 people died. In Nashville, six. It's unfortunate that six died, especially with the three children. But they were stopped. She was stopped simply because they decided to go in and go after her. Is it because the response was so effective and that uh, these officers, as you indicate, did exactly what they were supposed to do and prevented more loss of life that we are also seeing the police department in this case being so forthcoming with information and video and such right. early? The, the Yes. The training that, that, that we receive is so that me from Milwaukee retired and there's an incident in Ozaki County and they need assistance. I can train with them because everyone receives the same training. Mm-hmm. We know the setups. We know the formations. Everything's the same across the country. So that alone, and you can see some of the officers had T-shirts on where they literally showed up, put on their vest and went in, not knowing what was happening until they heard the shots. And that's when they literally, and if you read the story, they literally ran toward the shots like they were supposed to. And so when people bash the police, we're the only ones, us and firefighters, that run toward things that everybody else runs from. Another interesting thing that I pointed out, uh, as schools look to, outside of the gun debate, what can we do as a school facility to keep our children more safe? Lock doors, you know, making people sign in. Anytime I even go to pick up my kids at school during the school day, you got to give them your driver's license. They check you, all that, all that stuff. In this case, you had a shooter who came and just shot right through the doors. It sounded like the school was as hard down as it could be, and this was a shooter who was committed to doing what, what they did that day. Put police back in schools. See, we, we go to the gun debate, but if you ban guns, the only people that will have guns are the people who aren't supposed to. So then what? You're still no, no, they're back in turn the same in. place. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm going to be a good citizen after I haven't been a good citizen for like, I don't know, 15 years. No. Uh, any information that you're still waiting to hear about in this case? What's, what's still outstanding to you? Waiting to hear the totality of all of the information in yeah. one place. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a briefing and an up- well, not a briefing, but an actual update that literally gives from beginning to end, not just the timeline, but the, the, the nuances of the family, the relationship with the parents, and when people say it was mental health, uh, when people say uh, whatever it was, bottom line, the federal government needs to come in so we can determine whether or not it was a hate crime. Because based on the information, it sounds like a hate crime. And so we can't downplay it. We can't mention Audrey Hale and not mention that 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 she was transgender any more than if a Christian went in and shot up an Islamic or Jewish school or killed or shot people at a gay club. That's the headline then. That should be the headline like it is in every single instance. And luckily, I've seen across the board, CNN, Fox, um, everywhere has been able to report this in an unbiased way and mention that it was transgender. We just heard from ABC News, same thing. And so that gives me hope. Because now we're starting to see the media be able to step up and say we're going to report this in the proper way. Dr. Ken Harris, our team at 1017 The Truth. You can listen to him in the afternoons. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Vigil tonight in Nashville, Tennessee, again, for the six people killed in that shooting.